You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here. And today I am joined by Tristan Terramino, an award-winning sex educator, media maker, speaker. She's the author of eight books, editor and co-editor of 25 anthologies. And the host of your own podcast. Sex Out Loud. Sex Out Loud. What do you talk about on Sex Out Loud? You know, the show has evolved. It's interesting because there's so many sex podcasts, right? And sometimes it feels like we're circulating all the um, same guests. (laughs) So I think this is my, I'm going to go on my eighth year. This is my eighth year doing it. And I think the focus has become more about gender and sexuality. We talk a lot about social justice, marginalized communities. Um, I like to really mix in voices of, you know, get like a heavy hitter, you know, like Janet Mock, and then have someone that no one's heard of, you know, someone who doesn't have access to the mainstream media, who's doing work kind of on the margins and doing really incredible work. So I like to, I like to mix it up between both. And then we do questions. um, Not every single episode do we do questions, but, you know, people write, obviously people write to me nonstop with advice questions and they call in. It's interesting because people often don't think about sexuality and social justice, but even within our field, you can see that there are literally thousands of brilliant folks doing really, really genius work. Um, in terms of therapy, in terms of education, in terms of reproductive rights. And they just don't have their voices heard because people will meet me and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're the new Dr. Ruth or in Canada, the Sioux, you're the only oh, one doing it. And, right. I'm, and I have to tell them, you know what, there are thousands of people who don't have the privilege of having this platform. Right, right. And we still, I think, are like suffering a little bit from being whitewashed and the people who have the most platforms and are talking the most and have the mic most tend to be white. And I feel like a group of people called that out several years ago. And I took that call and criticism really seriously and feel like as a white person, it's important for me to acknowledge my white privilege and the privilege I have in the industry, the privilege I get with speaking gigs, and to really try to push back against you know, a panel where they invite me and it's all white people or a conference where they invite me and it's all white speakers. So um, that's become more of a focus of my work in the past three years. It just sort of moved there, but definitely with a push from (laughs) incredible sex educators of color who, you know, who publicly said, we've got to address this. Yeah. And there's a a space that I know you've worked in several times and I have too called Sex Down South in Atlanta. The best event. Um, all year. For me, it's the best event all year. I've said the same thing. If, yeah. if folks are interested, whether you're in the industry or you're considering working in the industry or you're just an, en- not just, you're an enthusiast. Yeah, there's plenty of enthusiasts there. Sex Down South is such a cool f- conference. Uh, not only is it run by black queer folks and centering the voices of folks who are normally forced to the margins, but also it's a conference that talks the talk because a lot of these sex conferences, and maybe, you know, I, I don't go to any of them, honestly. <laughs> I don't go to all of them. Um, they talk about sex all day, but God forbid 
there's anything sexy there. Right. Right. It's like dental conferences are probably sexier than so well, many. Do you think there's con- like a major hookup culture at dental conferences? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe they, they've got the kink. Right. Maybe they're into the, Maybe dental, into play. the dental play. Right. I was so struck this year at truly the eye candy. And what I mean by that is not to be like gross and objectifying, but the way that women and men and non-binary folks were celebrating their bodies, the clothing they were wearing, the way they expressed their gender, the absolute celebration of every kind of body that you could imagine as sexy and hot, it was, there was so much to just look at. There's so much to look at. You know, uh, my partner, Brandon, who normally co-hosts with me, said the same thing, that he was so blown away by how people just own their bodies. Mm. Um, There are so many different things at this conference. So there are, you know, there are programs with CEU credits. There are conference, you know, pieces that look at the business of sex that are looking at research and what's really happening in heavier academic spaces. And then there are social justice panels. And then there's fun stuff like, you know, anal sex for everyone and non-monogamy. And I went to a great class on how to strip for your lover um, and there, there, there was a strip tease, I guess, contest I saw yes. that I really loved. And the way the folks on stage work their bodies oh and own their bodies. Yes. When I showed, Brand- Brandon was like, I can't believe just the body confidence. And yes. I said, that is not just about these people. This is about the environment that Marla and Tia have created. Uh-huh. Absolutely. The organizers Absolutely. of Sex Down South have just made this space where people feel safe and yeah, I mean, so folks, I highly recommend. Me too. You check out Sex I'm going to be Seth. there. I know I'm going to be there next year. Do so. you know what you're going to talk about? Well, I'm going to teach my class on confronting whiteness in uh, sex education spaces and beyond. And fingers crossed, they really want me to teach Mike how to plan a gangbang class. <laughs> Those are two very different topics, but they, they do intersect. <laughs> well, here's the thing about gangbangs is I think it's really time well past time that we reclaim that term, that we reclaim what it means to create a scenario where one person is the center of attention and all of the other people are doing something to that person. We've got to let go of the stereotypes of the first things that pop into our head. These are gangbangs that I'm going to tell people about that are for all bodies, all genders, all sexual expressions, all genitals, all kinds of pleasure, all kinds of sex. So it is a real like reclaiming and reimagining of the gangbang. Can you give us a little bit of a teaser? I know this is, <laughs> I'm changing the topic here. No, it's okay. It's okay. Well, I think that, you know, we do think in pretty like heteronormative terms about the gangbang and the sort of energy and the vibe of what we think of as a gangbang. You know, we brainstorm that at the beginning and people have pretty much the same experiences of what they think of. And throughout the workshop, I like to give examples of a kind of gangbang you might have. Please do. Right. Okay. So for example, like the worship gangbang. I call the person at the center of a gangbang the one. And this is where everyone who's, the, the people who are the doers, right? Those are the bangers, but I call them the doers. They are worshiping the one. So it is their job to uh, verbally physically, sexually, just 
absolutely treat the one like they are divine, right? Meet all of their needs and be at their feet, be at their beck and call, do whatever they want, do whatever they need. Um, Feel like this person is like a deity at the center of all the sexual action. And just that one example, you can see, right, how that's not what we think of, right? That's not what we think of. But if we If we just distill it down to one person as the center and a bunch of people doing things, right, then really the possibilities are endless. Every kind of fantasy role play can be made into a gangbang. And it doesn't always have to involve dominance and submission. It doesn't always have to involve men doing women. It doesn't always have to involve penetration or hard dicks or any of that. Um, So I like... To people, you know, I like to give people ideas, and it starts to kind of click with them, and then they, of course, take it and run with it, right? And so, I mean, I have the pleasure of teaching it at this event at Desire. I know you've been at Desire, and so the really great thing about that is I teach it at the beginning of the week, and then people come back and like report things to me and tell me about their gangbangs. Can you share a fabulous gangbang story? You know. At the end of my class last year, this guy stood up and he was like, this is my first year here, but I don't want to regret anything. So I'm, I'm a cis guy who's straight and I want to be the one in a gangbang. And if I don't put it out there and I don't ask for it, you know, I'm, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to go to the airport and I'm going to regret it. So if anyone is interested in being in my gangbang, being a doer in my gangbang, like come see me afterwards. And and that, of course, sparked other people to share and to put it out there, which I think it always takes one person, right? That one brave person. <laughs> and then when they ask the question or they share the story, then everyone feels like, okay, now I can do this too. And later I saw his partner like in the dining hall in the restaurant and I said hey I just want to know like did anything happen and she was like oh my god we had a gangbang last night for him it was amazing it was by the hot tubs like all these people came you know we set the rules and the boundaries and he got exactly what he wanted and mine's tonight (laughs) (laughs) which I just thought was beautiful (laughs) she had been so inspired that she was like now I want my own and I was like good Good. Good for you. you. You're getting your own then. Yes. I'll have what he's having. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you talked about rules and boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if we were to take a step back, where do we even begin with the gangbang? How do you figure out what you want? And then how do you put that potential plan into action? Or how do you break it down into pieces where maybe you can't have that entire gangbang for now, but you can extrapolate pieces from it and still fulfill parts of that fantasy? Right, right. You know, I think, and this is where... You know, when you tell people, people often say, like, how do I access my fantasies? How do I get language for my fantasies, right? And we often turn them, we say, go to porn, especially diverse and ethical porn, or read erotica. There's so much diverse erotica out there. And sometimes it helps people, like, have a language. Well, I feel like there's one dominant model of the gangbang in porn, and we don't see a lot of variety. So it's not like you can turn to mainstream porn and say, wow, I've seen 10 kinds of gangbangs and I want mine to be a hybrid of B, C, and E with a little bit of E thrown in, right? So I think you have to create it from the ground up and you have to decide kind of what is the vibe. And I always, this is true in kinky scenes too, I I always like to say like, what is the goal? What do you want to achieve? 
Do you want to feel taken? Do you want to feel sexually used? Do you want to be objectified? Do you want to be worshipped? Do you want to be the sexual center of attention? Do you want to create a space where you're greedy and you can't get enough? So we've got to bring in all these extra people <laughs> to try to satisfy you, right? Um, what's, what's the goal? What's the feeling that you have that you want to achieve? And then if you start with, this is how I want to feel afterwards. I want to feel like the sexiest person in the world. I want to feel like all of these people are sexually satisfied by me. I want to feel like a slut, reclaiming that term as a slut, right? What do you want to feel like at the end? And if you start there, then you can figure, you can like back out of that and figure out, okay, what are the things that we need to put in place and the dynamics and the activities and the people to make that happen? I often talk about your core erotic feeling. So the feeling that you need to experience in order to even consider having sex. And I find that it helps people to really communicate their needs because people will say things like, oh, you're too aggressive or you're not aggressive enough or you're this or you're that, but they're not really saying what they want to feel. Mm. And then for many of us, once we really understand our core erotic feeling and cultivate it for ourselves and teach our partner to support us in experiencing that feeling. Yes. Sometimes that feeling can be so taken care of that you kind of always feel that way and it's not exciting. So then I move them on to what I call the elevated erotic feeling. Okay, I want to do this. Yeah. I've never even thought of this. So the core, so erotic, feeling, core erotic feeling, I tend to say it's fairly constant. Okay. Um, so it might be that you need to feel, this is the feeling that is so essential mm -hmm. that if you don't experience it, you can't have sex. It doesn't mean that every time you feel it, you want to have sex. It's sort of like, I can't have sex if there's laundry in the corner of my room, or I can't have sex if I'm not feeling loved, or okay. I'm, so the laundry's not a feeling, obviously, but okay. it's, it's, that's just an analogy. So like, for example, I can tell you for, for Brandon, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, his core erotic feeling is he needs to feel relaxed. He can't be stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. in our early years of our relationship, I understood that and was trying to, you know, help him relax. And obviously, I can't relax him. He has to take care of his own core erotic feeling. Right. He has to shut off the phone early or he has to not take calls and emails at a certain time or he has to not take calls from people who trigger him late at night or he has to work out or he has to eat well or he has to get a good night's sleep mm -hmm. because those are the lifestyle, behavioral and attitudinal adjustments required in order for him to feel relaxed. I can be a part of the process as his partner, right? I can help him to feel relaxed and I can certainly try to do things not to, you know, detract from feelings of relaxation. So we begin with the core erotic feeling with kind of the language of in order to possibly get in the mood for sex, I absolutely have to feel. Okay. And my brain is going a mile a minute now. I think for me, it's grounded in my body. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in my head. <laughs> I mean, as a writer and a thinker and a speaker and a, and a public person, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in my brain. Mm -hmm. And if I can't get in my body, and there's all these things that take you out of your body, distractions, pain, how you're feeling health-wise, um, if I can't get and be in my body, yeah, I can't have sex. I need to be in my body. And so when you think about that, there are some things you can change in your life to feel more grounded in your body. And then there are always going to be things that are beyond your control. Right. Right. Especially with pain. Right. And so, or anything to do with health. Mm -hmm. So 
there are changes you can make. And so what I usually have people do is make a list of the things that make you feel grounded in your body. Make a list of the things that detract from that feeling. And then see what specific strategies you can employ in your day-to-day. Yeah, I see. I like a shower or a bath before sex. Um, Warm, usually warm. Not a cold shower? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But, well, it's 85 degrees in LA today, so I'm just thinking, like, do I want to go home and take a warm shower? No. But... um, the feeling on my skin, right? I all of a sudden start to feel my skin differently. It feels more sensitive. It gets me more focused. I start touching myself, my own body, right? If I'm like washing myself. So this makes perfect sense now that you're saying it, Jess. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, I I really appreciate it. And I, I suggest that your core erotic feeling is fairly constant over time. It's not like the five love languages where you're put in a bucket and it must stay like that. Right. Obviously, emotions are nuanced. Mm -hmm. And I also say that just because you're in your body doesn't mean you're in the mood for sex. Because you can be in your body, but be frustrated with your partner or partners. Absolutely. You can be in your body and be exhausted. And you, you know. Yes. So once we figure out the core erotic feeling, some people will say, I'm always in the mood for sex. Or some people, for example, let's say my core erotic feeling is feeling really loved. The truth is in my relationship, no matter what, I, I really feel loved. I feel really appreciated and loved all the time, even when I'm a dick. <laughs> he, this man <laughs> always loves me. But in my language, it's not a panty dropper, right? It doesn't get me hot for sex. It's there as the foundation for the possibility. Right. But that's when we start to consider are elevated erotic feelings, which I think are more fluid and are changing from day to day. Mm. And elevated erotic feelings are the feelings that take sex to the next level. So this is what people would investigate for the gangbang. What are the elevated erotic feelings you want to achieve? Like where, you know, how do you want to feel and what do you want to get to? Right. I, I love that. And so I love that you framed it as a feeling because I think when people think about an experience like a gangbang or a threesome or public sex or group sex or whatever they're doing, they're thinking about, I want someone to suck on my left tit. I want someone <laughs> right. to play with my right ball. Right. I want someone to pinch my left nipple. And although those physical and practical components are part of it, absolutely, at the core, it's an emotion or emotions. Yeah. You want yeah. the reason sex is hot. Uh, is because of what you feel. Uh, It's not just, you know, sometimes we have sex and it's just maintenance sex. I've been having a lot of that (laughs) lately because Brynn and I are just, you know, I'm passing through the city and we've got to get it in. And, you know, I have a lot. Got to get it in, literally. Only out for me. (laughs) (laughs) Different story. But we need to get it on. So we have this maintenance sex that is, certainly there's emotions attached. Like I feel a connection. I feel more relaxed. I feel more at ease. But it isn't necessarily you know, the most exciting sex emotionally. Whereas I think of a gangbang as probably not something you're doing every week. Correct. But uh, some people are, and that's like, I'm super excited for them. Lucky them. If that's their jam. You but know it's, what I mean? hard it's hard. To to, find. It's hard to negotiate. It's hard to navigate. I don't think of this as, you know, find a bunch of friends on friends on Craigslist and invite them over. Um, I, I feel like it's much more of a curated event where you're very intentional about who's in the room. But I think that's another thing that that made me think of this. So say the person is a huge exhibitionist and really wants to be watched. So in addition to being done, they want to be watched. Well, that's great. So we could say, okay, we'll invite five people over and they'll do you and watch as you're getting done. Well, why don't we invite 15 people, but 10 of them aren't sexual with the one. 10 of them are narrating, or they're like a Greek chorus. 
They're narrating what they're seeing. They're telling this person that they're super hot when they're getting fucked or when they're sucking someone off. And it's like there's this audience, but they're also vocal, a vocal audience. So this is what I mean about like we've got to rethink these scenes as just one tone or just one activity. I like that cheering section. Yeah, imagine. I think imagine I would always like that. Some, I mean, I feel like I went to a kind of a, a sex party where really the, the main primary partners were the only ones that were being sexual with each other. And we were there to kind of watch and, and appreciate and I was, it was a super turn on for me. Like I didn't need to be part of the action to be part of the action. You know, it was a very satisfying erotic event, but I didn't get naked and no one had sex with me. Um, but, and I also felt kind of honored that I guess, you know, I was invited to be part of this small group of people who got to watch this really incredible couple, you I, know. I love that. So you, we begin with accessing what you want, beginning with the feelings. The feelings. Uh, and then from the feelings, you can flesh out the details. Yes. Right? So for example, maybe you like to be watched and you enjoy the exhibition of it and 10 people would be lovely, but 30 people might be overwhelming. Right. And one person might really add to the experience, but there might be someone in your circle who you know would detract from it. So you Absolutely. have to work out all those details. Are, are, are there a set of questions you can consider <laughs> to begin with, like a questionnaire? Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 creating I think what's going to be like more, a more comprehensive handout for this because I do think that there are basic planning that has to happen um, and like one of the things that I really encourage people to do which I loved because they showed me is create a like a yes and a no list right um, in general we we talk about maybe lists with partners and with kink and things but for this I just want a yes and no list um, I don't I think there's a lot going on, and so I'm going to just eliminate the maybe. Yeah, too many moving parts it's for the maybes. Too, right. So it just creating a yes and a no list, and someone someone printed theirs out and had it on the headboard and said, you know, just in case anyone forgets, you know, she wants this, she doesn't want this, she likes this kind of touch, she doesn't like this kind of touch. Can you give me some examples that might I be mean, on a yes or no list? Yeah, this could be something like um, I want – I want finger penetration in my vagina and in my ass, but I don't want any dicks or dildos, right? So the specific kind of penetration. Um, it could be uh, I like when someone this, – this is for something that would go on my list. Um, I like when people nibble a bit on me, but I do not like biting of any kind, like a hard bite. Um, I don't like biting at all. So a bite would, would be on my no list. Um, and then you might have words also, some words we like to be called, some words we don't like to be called. Um, my favorite, this porn star Cinnamon Love, who I worked with many years ago, said, you can call me all the dirty, 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 nasty things, but never call me an animal. Oh. Don't call me a cow. Don't call me a pig. Don't call me uh, a dog. I know my dog's here in the studio with us. Tristan has her little <laughs> cute Bodie dog here. I, know. I like that you called it a studio. <laughs> yeah, it's totally a studio. <laughs> my makeshift studio um, here. Yeah, so so there may be verbal cues, right? Things you can say and things I don't want you to say. Um, words that, you know, trigger words that you don't want. Um, also, just some basic stuff like I like spanking, but I really need to be warmed up first. So no just hauling off with like a really hard smack at first. If someone wants to spank me, 
this is kind of, these are kind of the, the basic guidelines, right? I like the specificity of it because I think we do things like yes and no. Do you want to be bit? Yes or no. But for you, you want to be nibbled gently, right? Or do you like dirty talk? I mean, what a broad question. Really broad. So it's a great place to start, yes. right, with a new partner. But when you're negotiating something as complex as this, and I, I wish when we were negotiating every sex act, we spoke with greater specificity mm-hmm. about, I mean, let's say I want fingers in certain orifices and not others. I, I might have 10 people there and eight people can put their fingers in me and two people can't. Right. And those are discussions that need to be fleshed out in detail ahead of time. And I recommend a host. Ah. So I recommend a host for a gangbang who is not sexual, who is not engaged in the sex part of it, who can make sure that boundaries are being enforced. Sort of like a dungeon monitor. Yes, because truthfully, when you're the one, you can get very caught up. You can get in a deep submissive space. You can get caught up in all the action. And you can't always, um, you need you need a backup. You need a backup there to advocate for you in case things like go off script or, you know. Yeah. And also, I think a host can also move the room around if someone's taking up too much space or you know it's like okay you've had your half hour like you're gonna move on now and joe's gonna come in like seating at mcdonald's (laughs) out of respect for all customers please Please. stay seated for 30 minutes yeah like please don't like dabble over your water glasses and your bill um so because we need to share space so yeah, so I also like the idea of a host. Um, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I have like this whole formula thing. It's it. I I want. I think I want to write like a mini book on it. Yes, people would be into that. A mini book on gangbangs. Yes, I I see it as a course. I definitely see it as, as a, course. a course. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to share that or sell that for you because yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, so you have a host, mm-hmm. um, and the host I imagine is there for the pre-negotiations. Yes. Yeah, and the host is there you know, kind of for, for all of it, right, is to make sure like lube is being used and their favorite toys are being used and that everyone's following the rules and that the flow is moving along and the person's not getting overwhelmed uh, in, a, in a bad way. In, unless you're core, unless you want to feel overwhelmed, because that that is a feel. No, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. But people feel like I want to be overwhelmed. I want to feel like I can't take any more, and then and then you make me take one more. That's one of mine. That that's, is. That's one of my yeah. <gasps> oh, okay. Feelings. I like the feeling of being overwhelmed. For me, it creates a sense of escapism. Yes. So as because you can't it, even think. You can't yeah. even think when someone when there are five people doing five things to you at the same exact time. You can't think. So that could be the goal. I want to feel overwhelmed where I, I can't even, I, yeah. I think that takes practice for people. I, I often talk about the fact that it's hard to be a taker in bed mm. because we've made sex so incredibly performative mm-hmm. that most of us get uncomfortable yeah. just receiving yes. pleasure. So I have a, an online course called Mindful Sex. And the first part is just about learning to receive touch. And yeah. one of the exercises is a hand caress. And if you are so uncomfortable just letting your partner give you pleasure on your hand, how are you going to respond when they go down on you? How are you going to respond, I mean, in a right. next level in a gangbang situation right, right. with 10 hands all over you? Right. So right. That, that's got to be an interesting piece where oftentimes when you have a fantasy about something, especially a feeling that you don't often experience, that you want to consider 
all the different potential reactions because you might think that this is something appeals to you and then in the moment you pull back and say you know what maybe I'm not ready for this and I think a host could be there to help communicate Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. to the group because people learn in different ways and listen in different ways and you know, especially when you think of a, a gangbang, there is so much anticipation and so much build up because it's not something we're having every day. Most of us. Most of us, right. It could be, it's a special occasion. <laughs> I did see birthday a, gangbang. I did see a porn movie once m- a million years ago where the woman was ordering the men around, ordering them to sort of do different things to her. So that was my first like light bulb moment where I thought, wait, this is different from every other porn gangbang I've ever seen. And this woman is like firmly in control and she's bossy and they are basically there to serve her. Um, So it's like almost like a flipped dominant submissive dynamic. And that was the first time that I thought, okay, this doesn't have to be one way. This doesn't have to be one way. I love it. I love this. And so you talk about First, the emotional piece, then negotiating boundaries, and then having a host. And then what is the debrief like? Because I'm sure you have people who have the time of their lives having a gangbang, like any sexual experience. And then I'm sure you have some who feel neutral or let down. Mm -hmm. Is that something Mm -hmm. that you've observed? Yeah, I think, I mean, I like a debrief for almost everything, except maybe maintenance sex with a lover for that you're very connected to and, you know, for for many, many years. I feel like whenever we do something new or out of the ordinary, like the debrief brief is kind of necessary, right? It's like necessary because you're, you want to know, like, how did that go? How, I need some feedback. How, you know, what did you love about it? What did you not love about it? What did you, what did you want more of? What do you want less of next time? Um, how, how are you feeling? What was the high point? When did you get bored? Did you get bored? Maybe not. Um, I think, I think like going through it, first of all, going through it can also be really hot. (laughs) Um, I think these peak sexual experiences, at least for me, are fodder for later. Totally agree. It's like, it's like the thing, it's like the gift that keeps on giving, right? And it's almost hotter upon reflection. I find yes. that some of the wilder things that I've done, I didn't, I wasn't really that excited in the moment. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. And it was cool because it was different and because yeah. there was a risk for me, there's a degree of risk in it. That's right. what I like. Right. But it's the talking about it after, like, remember when we did this thing? Yes. Don't you want to do that again? I'm going to have them come and do that with you. Yes. That is, the fodder is the same word I use. I love yes. it because it can last you years. 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 Like you don't even need to do it again. I love, I'm all about lazy sex. What is the least I can do? I mean, I have a thing with one of my lovers where we had sex on his motorcycle Mm -hmm. in a sort of dirty garage and I was naked and he wasn't fully naked and it was really, really hot and it was early on in our relationship. And he can just say that. Like he can over dinner be like, do you remember when I fucked you on my motorcycle? And it's like, it's on. No, tell it's me on. about it. I, it I forget all about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think these fantasies and these sort of peak experiences can then keep on giving. Yeah. Right. And I think you can remember it. In memory, it's hotter because it's you're injecting pieces of your fantasy. Yes. Uh, it's like reflecting upon a vacation or planning for a vacation. Yes. So we know that the anticipation prior to a reward or pleasure and the reflection post reward and pleasure can be as pleasurable and as exciting in some cases more exciting than the experience itself so that this is what sort of excites me about 
a gangbang and a potential class that you're teaching because I think it's relevant to everyone, including those of us who maybe don't really want to have a gangbang. Right. No, you're right that there's some tips here about using our erotic imagination, um, figuring out what we want and how to get it, boundaries, limits, um, getting our needs met. Yeah, there's there's a there's a whole script here that actually could be for two people having sex. Just for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Like yeah. even to weave this fantasy. Let's say that I can tell you for me, the effort of it seems like a lot. <laughs> but I love the fantasy of it. And I think that's what people have to realize is that they can continue to weave and explore these fantasies even if they don't want to live them out in real life. I have to ask you a question though about okay. the host. So you mentioned that the host, because this this role really appeals to me. Okay, good. And yeah. I'm a really good host. So if you want me to, to plan your gangbang and host it, I'd be happy to do that. It gives me, it brings me great pleasure. So this is my question. I, I like hosting things like parties. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is pretty much like the dinner party I threw for my dad's yeah, 70th so it's like birthday. If like, if like you ask your guests and everyone wants a different kind of milk in their coffee at brunch and you have it in the that's, yeah. Powerful I get stuff. off on that. I get off on that. <laughs> on meeting people's needs. Oh, you want the extra long dildo. I do I, have, I that. have that. You want the tiny yeah. anal plug. What? I heard you just mention in <laughs> casual conversation <laughs> this. And yeah. I yeah. love that. So you mentioned that the host isn't sexual. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that the host could um, still be erotically involved in some way because like, I think I would really love Absolutely. doing it based on some things that I've done okay and I would find it really arousing but it wouldn't be for the purpose of orgasm right oh okay so it would be you would it would not you wouldn't want to come well not if I was the host oh the host okay I yeah thought you meant the center person the one. oh no if okay. I was the one it would be you, over and be over orgasm. and over and okay, over great. again yeah I think as much as the host we think of the host as maybe your partner or your lover or someone who knows you really well. As much as you want to dive into that situation, <laughs> I kind of encourage the host to step back or potentially to be the first or the last before anything else has happened or after everything has happened. Like the bride and groom at a wedding or because the groom and groom at a wedding, they get to eat last. Well, because Boo. the thing is like the host kind of has to keep their wits about them. And I think we don't talk enough about what it means to be super aroused and how that is a different mind state, right? Where we can't always make, we wouldn't always make the same decisions that we would make if we were just sitting down and talking about it with our friends. And we can't always think clearly. You know, like our brain is on, you know, great hormones and endorphins and adrenaline. And so I kind of want someone to, to be there who is sober in every sense of the word and is keeping an eye on everything, the micro and the macro. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if it was some if it's something I'd be able to do or if I would have so much trouble not getting like into, into it. it. Not that I jump on top of someone no, or anything. But no, there's petting and there's talking and there's it, uh, certainly it's not like you're not interacting with the one, but you're also there in service to their that's it's a care. Thing. You know, you're there for their care. And so pe where can people take this session with you? <laughs> okay. So um, I really should do an online course. They can take, hopefully they can take it at Sex Down South. I mean, I talked to Marla and Tia and they said they were leaning towards picking that. So um, 
Yeah. September, Atlanta, Sex Down South. Yes. Check it out. I don't know what I'm talking about yet. Okay. Probably something more industry related. Okay. But no, you brought up something else. And this is what we were supposed to be talking about. <laughs> so uh, and I know you have to go soon. So spanking. You are a spanking pro. Uh, and I think that, you know, most people know that you kind of warm up the spot first and that they're, you know, you're cup- maybe cupping your hand a little. Can you give us the Coles Notes version? Yes. How to be a great spanker. Is Cole's Notes a Canadian thing? Oh, yeah. Is Cole's Notes not an American it's thing? It's Cliff Notes. Oh, Cliff Notes. Yeah, Cole, Cole's is definitely, actually, I should think Cole's oh was an old bookstore. So you have Barnes and Noble. Oh. And we have Indigo Chapters. Okay. And back in the day, we had Cole's. I forgot about that. So yes. Cliff Notes. Cliff, Cliff Notes, Notes back Cliff in the Notes. day. I mean, I don't think they do them anymore. Okay, so... I think warm-up is key to a spanking. I think that although we are tempted to really want to whack someone and get their reaction and see that like redness kind of, you know, bring flush to the surface, the harder you hit someone in the beginning, the shorter the whole experience is going to last. Like a blowjob. Why would you just put it in your mouth no, and start so gluck, gluck, so gluck like from the beginning? So like teasing, you know, massage, kneading, gentle, tiny little touches. So I think it's all about the warm-up because, I mean, I have done, I have done spanking scenes where I have spanked someone for more than an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they have this enormous pain tolerance. It's that I really planned it out so that it would be such a slow buildup. And there were so many different things to do. I mean, I feel like one of the great things about butts, I mean, I love butts, obviously. I wrote a book on anal sex. I made a million movies about it. What's what's the name of your anal book? The the Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. And there's some stuff about spanking in there. Um, But I love butts, but also they're super fleshy and they can take a lot. Right. So um, so after you warm up, you can hit someone um, pretty hard as long as you avoid the tailbone and the spine. A trick I like to tell beginners, you can do one of two things. One is you can get a washcloth and put it on top of um, the tailbone. Right. So, you know, so it's like it's like a square of color that, you know, avoid this area. Right. <laughs> I often also cover the tailbone with my hand so that if I miss or I get out of bounds, I've actually hit my own hand before I've hit the tailbone. And you deserved it. I, did. <laughs> I maybe did. I maybe didn't. Um so for, so for me, it's like all about the warm up. And then I think using different kinds, you know, there's so many toys, right? There's millions of toys you can buy and certainly upgrade your sex life and go for that. But you can also use different parts of your hand, the back of your hand, the front of your hand, your fingers, your fingernails. All of these create different sensations, right? Hitting someone with an open hand versus cupping them slightly, right? All of these create different sensations. So just with your hands, you can create all of these different feelings for someone. Um, and then I I love a sexual spanking. I love I love a sexual spanking. So I love. I mean, one of my go to tricks is uh, is to have a wand vibrator in my lap and have someone over my knee, and they're pressed into the wand vibrator and they ha- can't go anywhere. And when you hit them, it pushes farther into the vibrator, so it's vibrating against their their genitals, which feels really good. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and and for spanking, what's your favorite toy? Oh. You don't have to pick one. You God, can name a few. That's hard, right? Um 
Well, I will say, no, I know, I know the answer. Okay, it's a riding crop. So I used to ride horses competitively, so I have a very intimate relationship with real riding crops. Um, so, but the thing I love about a riding crop is, and I love this about different kinds of toys, is there's always like a few toys in one. So you can smack someone with the end of the riding crop, right? The, the little leather piece at the end. And you can create some good percussion and you can create a good sensation and a good sound. But you can also, if this person has a higher pain tolerance, use the rod of the riding crop like a cane. Not like a cane you walk with, but like think a cane like a strict British governess cane. And so so it's it's really like it's two in one, right? And then you can also just the end of the of the crop, I can just drag it against the skin, tease the genitals with it a little bit. You know, I feel like we've got to think when we pick up even something as simple as a ruler, you've got the big surface part of the ruler and you've got the side of the ruler, right? Ouch. So I like a multi-use toy. And to me, a riding crop has like a lot of really good possibilities because you can hit someone so lightly and sensually with it. And you can give it all you've got. But you have to start really slowly start and really carefully. Slowly. I think some people, if they've never used a riding crop before, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is true for every possible thing in life. You've got to start at the beginning. Um, and also, I think with anything, if you're going to hit someone with an implement, you know, I like to feel it on my own body. So maybe my inner thigh, which is just as fleshy, but also quite sensitive. Um, I will smack myself a few times. I'll kind of see what different smacks feel like. Now, obviously, your partner or partners, they have a different pain tolerance. They have a different reaction, all this stuff. But I want to get a baseline for just like, how does this feel? So that I know where to begin. Do you do that every single time? With a new implement, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to hit someone with anything that I haven't been hit with. You know, I, I always say that that's my rule for anal, is that if you ever want to put something up someone else's butt, you absolutely, positively must, must put something, not up the same butt. thing, yeah. up your own butt. And yeah. I always get a big laugh from the crowd on that one. I'm like, I'm not joking. You're, she's not joking. Especially with kind of like straight guys, when they come to an anal sex workshop, they think it's about putting it up their partner's right. butt. And I'm like, oh no, you need to try it up your own butt first. Yes. I talk about this often. Yes. And it's not a joke. Like, this is really about people's safety, comfort, and of course, this is about pleasure. You yeah. want it to feel good. Can you speak really quickly um, on the psycholo psychological element of pain and pleasure and mm. why spanking and other right. potentially painful experiences can be experienced as pleasure? So, first of all, pain is a much more complicated topic than we give it credit for. Um, we... I can say that hurt and you can nod your head in empathy, but you can't really experience what it felt like in my body, right? And I think the other thing that people have to know is that when you get turned on, when you get aroused, when your genitals are engorged, your pain tolerance shifts. So what you might experience as pain, someone, you know, hitting you when you just got out of the shower and you weren't expecting it versus you're into this session with someone, you're really digging each other, it's really getting you going, and then someone smacks you on the ass, two totally different feelings, right? So, and I also think context matters. If I were to walk down the street in Los Angeles and have someone come up to me and smack me in the face, I would be traumatized. That would be an act of violence, 
and it would be awful um, and I would feel violated. But if I am in a scene with someone and I feel really, really safe with them and I really trust them and I'm submitting to them and I like mess something up that I'm supposed to be doing and they took their hand and just smacked me very lightly on the cheek, totally different feeling, total turn on, really into it, the shock, the surprise, the feeling of it on your skin. It's very personal hitting someone in the face, very, very personal. Um, and it means, you know, that I did something wrong or maybe I did something right. Um, it's, a, it's the context of it. It's the meaning that is imbued in it for me, right? Like it's, and that's the thing about spanking, I tell people all the time, a spanking can be a punishment or a reward, right? Were you a very, very, very good girl? You got a spanking. Were you a very naughty, naughty little pet? You're going to get a spanking. So you can shift like the context of it and the meaning of it, and that can change it entirely. Is this something super sensual and sweet, or is it something mean? And that's going to sting, it's going to hurt, but you're going to get through it. And, and you talk about the underlying love and trust and care mm -hmm. and respect. Yeah. And when I think about the core erotic feeling and the er elevated erotic feelings, I think oftentimes when we experience subversive or regularly negative emotions as erotic at that elevated state, it's because it's underscored, underpinned at all times by these feelings of love, yes. trust, safety, comfort. I think about some of the psychological kink that I'm into around, you know, liking to feel jealous or liking to feel not good enough or liking, mm -hmm. enjoying those feelings that of course in real life I don't want to feel, mm -hmm. but it's only because in the context of the relationship or the sexual interaction, I feel so loved and cared for and respected that I can toy yeah. with these other feelings. And when we talk about psychological play. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love, I mean, I'm really into mind fuck and it's one of my specialties. What and, does that mean? Um, I think that I can make you believe anything if I have the right tools and I know enough about you and what your buttons are and can construct a closed sort of container for us to be in there, then I think I can convince you of things. And I like to get people to beg me to do something to them that they don't like. Now, here's the thing. I don't ever do it. But they get so jacked up <laughs> and so also they're like crazed in their own minds. They're like, I'm asking you to do this thing to me. I'm begging you to do this thing to me that I don't want you to do to me. But you've convinced me that I do want to ask you to do it to me. And they get like really, I mean, people get super, super stimulated and aroused. <laughs> and um, and often it's a letdown because then I'm like, I'm not going to do X because like actually that's on your no list. Um, but I think playing with someone's mind is like really, it's more intense for me than any kind of physical play. Um, push, and, and always with consent. Yeah, like playing with someone's fears, playing with someone's insecurities if they want me to do that, um, pushing them to do things that they don't want to do. Um, it, it, it's very cathartic, and I feel like it's cathartic for both me and, um, and them. Well, you began by discussing the need to get out of your head and be in your body. And so this psychological play is in your head, but it's not in your regular 
brain. It's almost as though it's been compartmentalized from your real self and you get to tap into this totally different side. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, it's not as simple as, hey, let me find out what my partner doesn't like and convince right. them that they want it. This is something that you're cultivating over time, uh, really understanding their needs. Can you give me a couple of questions to leave people with mm. if they want to explore this psychological play or mindfuck? How do you even begin? Right, 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 right. Well, I think it also begins with a feeling. Um do you want to feel cherished? Do you want to feel seen? Do you want to feel understood? Do you want to feel like punished? Do you want to feel objectified? Do you want to feel terrorized? Do you want to feel humiliated? Do you want to feel embarrassed? To me, embarrassment, humiliation, two different things, right? Um, you know, like, so for example, if someone's quite shy, um, they may say, I, I just don't like talking to people, especially strangers. And if we're at a party, I will give them some task where they have to go up and engage strangers. Now, if I said, go up on stage and take the mic and do something that public, it's it's too far out of their comfort zone, right? You have to start, you have to like just push right at the edge of it. And then they're, they have to go around, introduce themselves or tell people about them. And um, I, I just think, what's the feeling? So that, so that feels embarrassing and just slightly... Oh, uncomfortable for someone, but uncomfortable in a good way, right? That same thing could be humiliating to someone. Going up to a stranger at a party could be, and, and being told like you have to go do this could be humiliating. So I think the feeling, we're back to the feeling, right? How do you want to feel? And then when you tell me how you want to feel, then I can work back from there and say, how am I going to get to that feeling? And I'm going to use your own cues I mean, part of it is like a little bit being able to read people, you know, like some mentalist tricks. People reveal stuff to me that they aren't even realizing they're revealing, and then I can use that and give it back to them. Um, so I think people need to know how they want to feel. I think they need to know their limits, right? Um, don't, don't scare me. I don't want to be scared. Scary is not fun for me. So why would someone want to have you tell them to do something that they don't want to do. Mm. Yeah, they're just, <laughs> their brains are so malleable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of, okay, can I give an example? Are Please. we out of time? Please. Okay. So uh, so this person came to me and I was I was being a service top at a dungeon where people can do these like small scenes with you. And What's a service top? A service top is someone who you can go to them and say, I want to experience flogging or hot wax. And then they're going to, they're gonna they're they're in service to you to to so that you can have the experience. So someone came to me and um, said, you know, like I'm a big fan, and I'm just I've read all your books and I've seen all your movies, and I just you know I wanna I, I want to play with you, but I don't really know what I want to do, and like I've I've done a lot of anal play with my wife, but we haven't gotten to pegging, and that's like a really big fantasy for me, but um, we are gonna get there. And so then I said. Um, well, I think I want to peg you then, right? So I'm immediately right at the limit. I'm right at the limit. So first I talked about what I was going to do to them, right? They got super turned on, super aroused. I was like, I'm going to, I started laying out all these butt plugs for warm up, laying out the lube, putting the gloves on. And then I went over to the wife and we whispered. And the wife came over and said, 
I've given permission to Tristan. You know, we've always made an agreement that I was going to be the first person to peg you. I've given permission to Tristan that she's going to be the first one to peg you. And he was shocked. He was like, no, we've been talking about this for so long and we've been warming up for it. And like, oh my God, this is totally overwhelming. <laughs> and I had convinced him that we were going to do it. We weren't going to do it, but I had totally convinced him that we were. And I got his wife in on it. Um, and then we all, you know, sort of laughed about it in the end. Um, but I love just getting in your brain and, oh, making you believe it. And I think about that in a, maybe a more vanilla way, but I think that's what makes fantasy mm-hmm. so hot. When you can weave a fantasy so it feels like you're actually going to do it. Yeah. So that they're really escaping from the lived reality where perhaps this fantasy is entirely impossible. In like your, aliens or right. something. Yeah, right. Yeah. In your scenario, it was possible that you were going to do this. It was possible that I could do that. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I think that, you know, let's say, you know, I have a lot of couples who want to have a threesome, but they're not sure if they want to have a threesome, but just the talk of it. If you can get into your partner's head about how badly you want to do it, about how you're going to coordinate it, about all the little details, about <laughs> what they're going to feel, <laughs> about how they're going to react. My God, I always say, I call this dirty talk because you have to be able to talk. Yeah, you do. Talk the but talk. But here's another thing. I've often told people, like, we can often find compromise in fantasies, right? When someone presents you with a specific fantasy and you say, I don't know that I want to go there. In, in the case of a threesome, I say, go to a strip club and get a lap dance, right? If, if, you, if, if someone wants to see their girlfriend with another woman, well, maybe we're not ready to like actually make that happen. But go watch in a really controlled, safe environment, your girlfriend and another woman interact erotically. I mean, the story you could spin from that is endless. And you didn't have to have sex with, and she didn't have to have sex with another woman, which she was not ready for and may never ever be ready for. And now we have cam models. There is so much you can do yes. with a cam model who is 15 states or away three countries yes. away. Yes. I, I am so surprised that more people aren't in, I'll call them monogamous relationships, but maybe they're more monogamish. Maybe they're, you know, in this gray area. I'm surprised more people aren't turning to cam models. And I love the idea of cam models because it's more accessibility for all genders, right? Mm-hmm. It is harder to find at, at strip clubs. It's just a lot of women generally. Right, right. Um, and yes, because then we can get multiple genders. Right? right, that's what's in people's heads. Right. But, and there are people on the campsites who are couples, who are throuples. There are all sorts of performances. I think that's a great way to bridge. And I'm not saying you have to go right there. I know no, that, no. that that's also not for everybody. Right. But, you know, I think most people are at least open to that conversation. Because it feels safe. And also at any point, if anything goes awry in your brain, you literally close the laptop. And yeah. it's like, okay, it's over. That's the solution to a lot of problems <laughs> you know, in relationships. <laughs> um yeah, so I think we can find these different ways. And now that we have all this technology, um, we can find these different ways to like fulfill some of our fantasies that don't necessarily involve inviting actual people over to your house, which may seem entirely too scary or undoable for someone. Right. And then for others, you're the person. Do you do, you do that as a service um, to host gangbangs or is that just for people you know? Just for people I know. Okay. But I, you know, I, I enjoy it a lot. Okay. And where would people even begin if they, you know, they're just like a couple or a single person, um, not in a huge city, where do they even begin to look if they want to explore some of these things, whether it's spanking or a gangbang or psychological play? Is there a website you suggest they go to? I mean, oh gosh, 
the web is hard because there's some unreliable narrators on the web and there's a lot of porn and some of it is not instructional or useful in any way. Um, so I think it's tricky. I think for me, there's a bunch of different good kink books that I like that I recommend. Um, I have two books on kink, Fifty Shades of Kink, which is a great beginner primer, and then The Ultimate Guide to Kink, which is um, like advanced, 201, 301. There's a book called Kink 101, which is like going to give you the basics of all the things. Who's that? That's Jay Wiseman. Oh, yes. I um, Lee Harrington and Melina Williams wrote a book called Playing Well with Others. I didn't know that. And I love, I, first of all, these are two, I mean, between them, it's probably, they've probably been in the scene for five decades. And um, so much experience, so much humor. And it's not just about sort of some of the skills, but it's also about like, how do I access community? How do I find a group? And then when I go to a group, what do I go to first? Do I go to the social event? Do I go to the class? Do I go to the weekend event? Do I go to the dungeon party? Um, so like navigating all of those, because I think ultimately what you want to do is find community. That, that's where you're going to find people who have experience with this, who are safe players, who can give you references, you know, and who have experience and skill. Because in some of these cases, you need, you need skill. You can't just have anyone flog you. So I want people to find community in real life if that's what they want to do, you know, do this in real life, and then begin, and then I think then you can reach out and figure out, okay, could some of these people be my sex partners, my play partners? All right, so we can go learn, hopefully, about gangbangs from you at Sex Down South. I mean, I've said it enough times. I'm, I have a meeting with Marla tomorrow. I'm just going to drop it again. Okay, you're going to drop it again, yeah. Marla. Okay. So Sex Down South in Atlanta in September. We're, we're going to link to your books as well as that book, um, Playing Well with Others. Play, yeah, Playing Well with Others. Okay, awesome. This is a lot of info. Uh, not where I had expected this conversation It's like a potpourri. Go. It's like a mixed bag, right? You're yeah. not, I don't know how you're going to describe the show. I love it. Thank you so much. Folks can listen to you. Uh, and your podcast, they can access. Yeah, it's Sex Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, great. Um, and I'm at Tristan Terramino across all social media platforms. Awesome. We'll be sure to link to you there as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to say a, a thank you to Desire Resorts for their ongoing support of this podcast. And I'm happy you told a story, a little story about Desire. And thank you to you for listening wherever you're at. I hope you have a wonderful one. I'll be back next Friday and every Friday with a whole new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.